Four, three, I'm ready. Four, three, two, one. Here it is, podcast. All right. So, well, here we are. What are we going to talk about tonight? So let's, um, I don't know, let's talk about, you know, your 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 musical journey and what led you into coming down yeah. to Nashville well, to, to I, seek out your uh, fame and fortune. Basically growing up like in a town. very small town. I grew up uh, in a little town called Janetville, Ontario. And I believe at that time there may have been like 300 people, no traffic lights. Uh, and it was just, um, it, and we had an IGA, right? <laughs> yeah, we had an IGA. Of course. You got to um, have an IGA. But it was like the perfect town to, um, you know, growing up in that small town, that's your roots, right? And music is all intertwined yeah. in that. Yeah, and and uh, so we just, you know, I played a lot of sports growing up and uh, hockey and baseball, not a lot of sports, but very competitive. So I, I I don't know. I guess right. people tell me from a very young age, I just thrive for attention. And I believe that um, because in order to be in this business, you, yeah. there, there has to be something lacking in you. Right. Well, there has, <laughs> there has to, to be. be something lacking. You know, you have to have a big ego and you have to have a, something. There's a void missing in a lot yeah. of people to have to have something filled in that. And I, I suffered with that. I, I've just recently, right. I think I've gotten over it the last five years of my life but it was something i fought with on a daily basis where i i, I just wanted to play music for, for playing music but you have to be in business and you have right. to have that yeah yeah, yeah. and to put Especially pictures of yourself all the time out it just gets a little awkward and weird sometimes but at the end of the day it's what you do and right. in today's world people are putting out stupid right. selfies every 10 seconds and they have nothing to show for it right they have no talent <laughs> so at least within right. music you have something and you're, you're dedicated to it and you've put thousands of hours into it but right. yeah i just remember from a really early age i was yeah. just i loved attention and when i played sports i was either a captain of the hockey team or assistant so i always had leadership and um i just you know then i right. got hurt in sports and then when i went to music I just realized I didn't really want to be in a band because there was so much drama, even at the young age, trying to put people together. Right. And then after right. that four years of, or three, right. four years of being on the road, I was like, no more bands doing it. And yeah. I was like, band, no more. Band yeah. I was like, no more band. It's going to be me. When I go to Nashville, it's going to be me. Everything's going to be, and I know it sounds arrogant, but you have to be that way. It's going to be about me because I'm the one who's paid the dues here. I put all my time into it. And if you're just a pushover, like you're not going to get anywhere, man. You're going to get eat up and spit out in that town. It's just a fact. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, this it's the machine here, you know. Really, I I mean, I look at it. It's just like it's, you know, definitely there's a yeah. machine built so into that, the Nashville that was, scene. <laughs> and if you're not exactly. willing to play, so that was early days fun. growing up, and then and then the '90s hit, and then it was a, again, it was a different um, whole generation of music. Very blessed to grow up in that era, era with uh, Pro Jam and. Um, right. The whole grunge movement, and it was a lifestyle, right? It was a lifestyle. Yeah, I tell you, um, you know, my favorite grunge bands, you know, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, and yeah, those guys, those guys just blew me away. It's Nine Inch Nails, like that industrial yeah. sound. I love love Nine Inch Nails. Trent Reznor, he was kind of you know like this, like you, you know, it's like he's yeah. like I went and did my own thing, and I hired yeah. the best players, and we did the best stuff. Yeah, for you sure. know, which makes perfect sense. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so that was early days growing up, and like the '90s were incredible, and then 
Oh, that's great for music. It was kind of almost like the 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 yeah. like the supernova of uh, of kind of like totally. That and I remember when it ended. Yeah. I remember being on the school bus and hearing Kurt Cobain had died, and I remember that day. Basically, Doc yeah. Martens went away, and everything else did. That. Everything else, like all oh, the 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 flannel, <laughs> except for you guys. Yeah, we always wear. I always wear flannel. But then at that point, when that ended, I, I I was in a really weird place in my own in my personal life. I was, and it was weird, and I was morphing sure. into high school, and I didn't wasn't popular. Like my whole life has been popular, unpopular, popular, unpopular. It's been rock and roll, right. hardcore country, <laughs> rock and roll, hardcore country, whatever. It's like it's this balance, and uh, I'm okay with that. It's right. fine. Um, Right. Exactly. And I don't, I I never, I never do anything what people want me to do. If it's not in my heart at the time, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And, you know, that's just how it goes. But, um, but then I found old school country at that time and everything changed. I I found all these new friends that were in in school (laughs) and it became our lifestyle pickup trucks drinking on the weekends, back roads, and it, and it changed my life completely. Right. Like, it took me out of the funk that I was in, and, like, right. and that's what really led me, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm yeah. gonna to do something in music, and I, I had that dream of going to Nashville because my family was massive music supporters, live music, and we used to watch the Grand Ole Opry every Saturday night. We would right. make time to watch well, Of course, yeah. And do Hazard and, like, all that stuff, right. man. I had a, I had a love... <laughs> I had a love for the Southern states Yeehaw. at such a young age. Like I, I was, yeah, man, oh, it was just weird. Man, and, man. and yeah, so music was intertwined with lifestyle and it still is. So, so when, um, you were growing up, you know, I mean, what was playing on? on well, growing up, um, all I ever heard in my house from like the age of like, well, what I can remember as a youngster to when I was like 14 would be like, um, the guess who, um, uh, it would have been like Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, Dwight Yoakam. It would have been all that classic country. Um, it would have been Skinner, The Stones, just stuff like that. Right? Um, yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then, like, my, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, and we'd be traveling to hockey games and stuff like that. And that was always, always, yeah, always, always classic country. And they had a, just so music was. Like, like Ernest Tubb and uh, yeah, and little Jimmy Dickens Dickens ended up becoming a really good friend, you know. And he took me, yeah, took me over to the Opry with him, and uh, it was a memory I'll I'll never forget that. And going back to the Opry Opry backstage with him was like royalty, right? You know, you're with Jimmy, it's like you're royal, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, people moved out of your way, you know. And uh, so Jimmy Jimmy would come to the club and uh, he would. You know, he was going to be there anyway, but he always supported me when I was playing solo and tell everybody, hey, man, you need to listen to this guy. And, no, he was such an awesome person. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy was an awesome. I got to meet him, too, and spent some time yeah. chit with little Jimmy Dickens. And yeah. It was great hearing his stories, too, you know, and just listening to him talk about, yeah, you know, when he sure. was up and coming. So that, that was it. So so when you're out on the road before you get to Nashville, you know, what was some of the some of the towns and gigs you played? In? Yeah, so most people think um, – going out with a band and, and getting to travel and, and see places that you never dreamed of seeing is, is going to be amazing. And it is in some sense, but a majority of it is a struggle. It's a, 
it's kind of a nightmare in a way. Right. Um, you know, it's not all glory hotel rooms and fabulous bars. I compare um, probably three, four years of my life to that movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. You seen that? Roadhouse, yes. <laughs> I'm very familiar with Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah, for real. So I, I guess, uh, man, there's just a sequence of things that happen within like three and a half, four years. I'm terrible with my dates and my time. So if I get fat, right. like, whatever, who cares? Right. Um, We're not fact checking here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess um, the first, when I um, when I moved away from Janetville, Ontario, when I got out to Caramels, Alberta, I went up to an oil town called Fort McMurray, and they had a bar up there called the Oil Can. Yeah. And it was a, it was a crazy rocking little country bar. <laughs> the Oil Can. Yeah, and you could put like probably <laughs> you could probably put four or five hundred people in this place. And the main bouncer was like a sixty-year-old man named the Hawk. <laughs> and I tell you, man, like you could barely get a smile out of this guy. Like he took his job. Like I watched him. Like he could smell something happening, like a fight before it even would break out. Right? <laughs> so I, I went up there and I played this talent contest. Well, I was underage. Okay, I was seventeen right. at the time, and drinking age up there was eighteen. But I had right. this ID. I had this ID from a guy uh, in my hometown. <laughs> His name was Billy Camel, and I used this ID like from probably 16 and we would go to strip clubs and get in and everything. Right? So, um, and actually alongside the oil can was, it was a strip club and every, every exactly, you got the oil can, you got the strip club next door. Of course. Exactly. <laughs> but almost every club I played through the three, four years, we would go on, the strippers would go on and then we would share like a band house with like, or us, they would stay pretty true, close to the band house. Right? True rock and roll story. Yeah, man. So I get up there, I play this talent contest. And um, so I use the ID to get in, right? Not not thinking, well, I'm not going to be able to use his name. I'm going to have to use right. my own name, right? Right. So I just went on a whim and went, well, they're not going to ID me every time I come in here, especially if I make it through the first round. So this thing went on for like four or five weeks. And so week four, I, there's like three people left and I'm, 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 I'm there and somebody, I don't know how they found out, but I still remember the guy's face. And I actually think he got some airplay in Canada, but he ratted me out. He found out I was 17. So they, um, uh, they, I, they pulled the plug on me from, I wasn't allowed to win. So they disqualified me, <laughs> ended up getting second anyway. And, uh, I remember the bag. They gave me this Heineken gym bag, and it, I think I got a gift certificate or something. But uh, <laughs> long story short, at that point, I knew that I could go up there and rock a crowd. Like it was right. like, I could do this, right? So right. a couple years went by. I didn't I didn't pursue playing just on my own, but I went up in that town. I made a bunch of money, worked in the oil uh, up at Suncor and stuff, and right. bought a truck and trailer. And or actually, I'm going to back up. So working up there, making this incredible money, like incredible money can imagine right right stage and i just one day i was like i'm done like this doesn't mean anything to me anymore and i i remember calling my mom going i'm gonna quit she's like what are you gonna what are are you talking about this is incredible it's like no i'm gonna come back i'm gonna write a record and record it she's like whatever and uh so most of my friends out there are like you're crazy man so i went went back home and uh um wrote this six song ep in like in like two two weeks and then recorded it in cameras and uh it turned out pretty good anyway so it was good enough to be able to get a band together and um and start trying to book gigs through an agent so if anybody doesn't know how it works you basically have to get these booking agents and booking agents basically have rights to the club 
and they make you sign a contract and usually they'll take 15 to 20 percent of all your hard-earned work for making a phone call okay it's a complete scam right. is what right. it is <laughs> pay to play pay to yeah, play right pretty much <laughs> and you know trying to get a band or oh, even to, you know at that age you know i'm like 18 whatever and as you know most musicians that are older are going to be either train wrecks or they're going to be in spots where they're successful and they're they're in comfortable gigs right it's when right. you're in that bottom level you're pretty much you're given what you get at that point right um now i'm not trying to slam anybody but it was very difficult to deal with older people that were just uh you know what i mean it was just it was hard especially and right nobody really gave you respect at that age they just because right, you're just a kid just a kid right yeah you're just a kid out here on the road here we go another one more pop singer yeah exactly right mm -hmm. so i guess like so i i end up getting these um these uh gigs all over and uh all over canada and uh mostly in alberta and bc and saskatchewan and stuff like that and then we'd make our way down to ontario and stuff <coughs> for the most part it was really it was they were hard hard honky-tonk clubs man like yeah so just some stories and, and just to give people an insight of what it was like i mean basically every show you played you were fighting for your pay and these right. club owners would do anything to to not pay you right and i don't understand the thinking behind that because wouldn't you want a good band to come back to your bar <laughs> you would think that yeah you think that yeah. so and and basically you have to uh you got to do well in those towns because if they don't want you back you got to drive like another thousand miles to get to the next place which you're losing the yeah. gas you're losing everything right right and, it's not like Canada small or anything. Yeah, exactly. And I swear, <laughs> I swear, man, like when we would play, even when we played in the States, they would take, I swear the agents were sitting there with a, with a dart throwing them at a map going, <laughs> here, here. so I guess the craziest stuff that like, I'll just, I'll just go off on some stuff in no particular order. But, um, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen somebody get stabbed with a pool cue. Uh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I've seen somebody get stabbed like that, smashed, stabbed in the stomach. Uh, uh, we've played, mm -hmm. I've played. That's uh, pretty horrendous bar fights. Yeah. And <laughs> always in Canada. It was always fist fights in Canada. Never, never really in the States did I, I don't huh. think I've seen one fight in the States because everybody was either packing, <laughs> you didn't get out of line, or uh, it was just a lot more tamer, which was surprising because everybody warned uh, us when you go to the states man they're going to be wild and it was the complete opposite complete opposite yeah they're just like hey wow you're great yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know that merle haggard song yeah yeah man so uh so touring in canada it was rough it was really rough um played this one club in calgary called uh, tnc and it was just like a working work a man's bar and it would put like probably yeah. thousand two thousand people in that thing I remember, and, and at that time, this is when live music, this is probably 2000, early 2000s. We'll go there with that. Um, yeah. And live music is massive, right? Yeah, it used to be massive to like about, you know, yeah. you know, well, 10 months ago. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, even at this time, it was that you could be a, a touring young band and people want your right. autograph. Yeah, you could do, people still out there, you still were, you know, actually. Yeah. Not, and so, not completely under the. Um, I mean, people were still making CDs and records and yeah. actually having recordings. Totally. Where nowadays that, you know, it went digital. Yeah, so and it was real. It changes the whole. It was real fans, too. It was real. People, yeah, people still love it. Come out. I'm still a real fan, for sure. I love a good live show. And, 
you know. Yeah. You know when a band's feeling it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, you have- and it just like it just becomes this like this symbiotic thing between the audience and the band. You know, yeah. the band is killing it, and just the audience just flows right into it. You just it's just a, a magical feeling. Yeah, right? for sure. And so <laughs> you would develop personal friendships through these towns, and um, right. even to this day, I have uh, people that have watched me and are still supporting, which is incredible. But you would have girls show up at your hotel room at like three in the morning. It would. There you go. Not, yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. Well, they just need to ride home or something. I don't know, but I, I never. <laughs> you know, you always have those little peepholes in your door, and I was I was so disciplined in those days. I was like, yeah, oh. um, you know, you know, I had my I had my fun and stuff. But I mean, you can't be doing that every every. Well, yeah. Well, you're a disciplined man. Yeah. That's a good thing. Because, you know, my you know, grandfather, my grandmother always said, hey, nothing ever happens. You know, nothing good ever happens after me. No, but so my point <laughs> of the story is we had some girl try to jump the balcony to try to get over to our, to try to get through the sliding doors at this one, at this one time. And we had, we had to call the cops and everything. It was crazy. You're making them, you're making them crazy. Yeah, it was, it was insane. That's, a, that's like a Beatles story. Yeah, I know, right? And this is, like, <laughs> this is like, you know, we weren't playing anything. We weren't anything crazy. Yeah. You know, great. Just some, some young guys from Alberta going, man, this broad's crazy. Call the police. Yeah. So we was trying to jump the balcony. And, like, if she would have fell, she would have died, man. Like, yeah, that wouldn't have been good. Then they would have blamed you. What are you guys up here doing drugs with her? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Come on, call step outside. So that's, like, one example of just the, the that end of it where like you would always be getting raps on your door people people wanting to come party with you wanting to do drugs with you wanting to do all it's like yeah and they they think that you're you're into all this and they have no idea who you really are right Right. you know right well i mean back in the day that kind of was the thing you know just oh yeah you know with a lot of rock with a lot of rock stars was just you know okay we're done with the show and now we're gonna party till four in the morning yeah exactly and, you know and then go to the next show and do it again exactly and be fueled <laughs> on that right and be fueled Ooh. on that just fueled on booze and drugs and yep. you know obviously it didn't work out for most no exactly <laughs> and then i think we went over the one story where i was playing actually leaving calgary the same place it may have been in the same week but um i had to hire a guitar player and uh Picked him up at the methadone. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, the methadone clinic. Didn't even know what methadone was, but uh, so we get take him to this gig, and uh, within bad news, bad news within like uh, sound check, he's slamming back probably six, seven beer and six shots. Holy shit! And just oh, man. so during the first set, this is a brand new bar that had opened, and they put us in this beautiful hotel, right? Beautiful new hotel. Right. And uh, he falls over on stage and pisses his oh, pants, shit. pisses his pants. On oh. Stage. oh, that's terrible. So uh, we give him a timeout, <laughs> finish the set, <laughs> finish the set. And uh, he tries to come back up. I'm OK. I'm OK. No, no, you're not. No. So no, you're not. we get him back to the hotel room and uh, we got to go back and play till one in the morning. Right. Right. So we get uh we got docked. We got docked because it wasn't a four Because you didn't have the full exactly. band. Exactly. Right, you didn't have the full band. So long story short, we get back to the hotel room that night. I get basically, I'm exhausted. Um, you know, this is just another typical week of my life on the road. And uh, the bass player comes rapping on the door. I'm like, what is going on? He's like, oh, my God, the guitar player, the guy, he's flooded out the top floor. So he passed out in the bathtub in this brand-new hotel. Oh, I don't know the hotel room, like in the actual room 
it's flooding <laughs> out, leaking out the door into the in. Oh no! So basically, got eight balled from that hotel. Uh, never got never yeah. got charged for anything, which I'm surprised. At. Lucky you, totally, totally right. <laughs> I'm sure they charged him, or just I, I don't know. I guess probably had insurance for that knowing hotel. Yeah, I had no. I had no. That, they they probably had experiences like that before. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we can go back to the 70s when they threw TVs out the window. Exactly. But beautiful, <laughs> brand new hotel, right? Like, oh, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that this is all happening in Canada. I've had BAM members uh, take steal money, the whole week's pay out of my hand and try to run, where, the, like, two of us had to slam up against oh the wall. God. Oh, my gosh. I had, yeah. had yeah. BAM members steal gear yeah. on stage. I mean, so people, they get this perception that, being on the road is this incredible thing and it it can be i guess at that level it's not right and i think right. uh and then so then when we got crossed over into the u.s um it was a it was a different world and it was a world that we weren't used to and and uh we it seems like uh um we we did really well in the Midwest, and that's basically where we're all we were booked was through North Dakota, South Dakota, and we went up all the way to Albuquerque. And I did some solo stuff up in Texas and stuff like that. But uh, right. I think the the craziest stuff happened in Minot, North Dakota. Um, some of the best stuff happened in Minot, and some of the scariest stuff happened in Minot. But yeah. the, the main thing that um, I remember in Minot, the good stuff. I'll go on a positive note. Was um, I did get a radio interview, and they played my stuff. And nice. it was awesome. And nice. like the bar was packed on a Monday night because of this interview. That I got. Wow. And yeah, it's my yeah. too. And it doesn't take much. Yeah. Got the whole town. Yeah, I don't know, man. They, they were some <laughs> of the most incredible people. And still to this day, um, I have some people that reach out from there. And uh, nice. yeah, it was just really cool. But there was one incident, uh, one incident where it happened where um, I won't name names, but the drummer was um, messing around with a married woman up there. And uh -oh. so we all knew this we all that, that always leads yeah to we all knew this was going on and we we had pulled him aside and said you know like what are you doing like this is people don't mess around they'll they'll, they'll shoot you down here <laughs> this town isn't that fucking yeah thing. Exactly. and actually how it happened was some locals locals came to me and, and one of the other band members and said of course they're like look hey i know uh, your uh, drummer is fucking beefing the uh <laughs> you know jim's wife yeah and uh it, yeah, got, Go and, uh, it, so it was it was scary, and uh, this isn't the times where we weren't. Uh, there was no social media. There wasn't even MySpace or anything, right? This is old, old school, right? And we right. had a cell phone just for emergencies. It's not like you were on the stupid right. thing like everybody is today. The cell phone for them. No, turn the thing off, man. Don't even like. Put yeah, it exactly. Off. And <laughs> the cost is like thousands. Yeah, and we had our name. We had the name on the trailer, and we had. My phone. Number. It, name? My name at that time was I was traveling under Chad Biggs and the Road Dogs. Okay, mm, I like the road it was dogs. pretty cool. And then uh, I said I didn't like it at all. I thought it was cheesy, honestly. But uh, you didn't like I the didn't Road like Dogs it at all. But it had to have something. And uh, and it should I should have just went under my own name because I was the guy paying for everything and doing it all anyway. So uh, I should have gotcha. just used my name. But uh, so. You could have been the road yeah, dog, exactly. just <laughs> solo. The low yeah, well, dog. two years into this adventure, I felt like I was 90 years old. But anyway, let me get back to the story. So we had a, we had my number, my home number, my parents' number on the side of the trailer and their phone number. So right. sometimes you would get a gig out of it because people would, would see you traveling down the highway and then they would call and go, hey, there's a band like or whatever, right? You know, or they would just call to 
like, are you a band or are you going to cut yeah. the grass? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this, uh, it's Saturday night, probably one thirty. we wrap up and we have an early morning and, uh, um, there's, we get back to the band house, everybody's crashed out and, uh, no drummer, you know, and no, no drummer. drummer. So oh. this is, I, I gave up the mat, the, the main bedroom, like, because, you know, you're singing and you're the guy, front and you right. need, you know, you're, that's, right. I'm sorry, but that's the most important role in the bands is the guy singing. <laughs> you don't get paid if the guy doesn't, can't sing. It's over. That's right. Yeah. It tends to just to be a little instrumental. Yeah, exactly. Show. Nobody cares about that. This is tap. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know i'm sleeping in the back and this is there's cockroaches in this place like it's it's pretty gross typical yeah. typical place yeah we all ran into some cockroaches yeah not like this guarantee <laughs> not like this but uh yeah i know it seems a pretty yeah. big cockroaches. so anyway so we get uh we get all settled and uh i hear this rap on the door like and it's a pretty good knock right and i'm thinking like the police, kind of, but I'm thinking, you know, it's just a bunch of drunk girls wanting to come party or something, right? I'm not really thinking that right. anything would happen, which is about to happen. So again, like I'm tired. I sang all night. Boom, boom, boom. Merry fucking Christmas at Santa Claus. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I don't know. Uh, okay. I, have, yeah, I have no idea. Still, oblivious. Have no idea. Okay, we got a little Christmas story yeah, going on. Perfect exactly. for the So it's got one of the little spy holes in the door, right? You know, those little glass. I mean, it on, right. I'm looking out, and all I just see this guy, but I can't really see his hands. So I open up the door just a little bit, right? And it's still it's got a chain locked across it. So I keep the chain mm-hmm. locked and just open mm-hmm. the door. And he and he's got he's got a gun in his hand, and he's he he goes. <laughs> He goes, I'm not, he goes, where's the fucking drummer? I'm going to kill the fucking drummer. Where's the fucking drummer? And I'm like, oh my God, what is going on here? So, you know, just slam the door, right? And lock it back up. And I'm trying to talk to this guy through the door. And I'm like, listen, I ha- we have nothing to do with this. The drummer's not here. Like, we have nothing to do with this. He, I'm not going to kill you guys, but I'm going to kill the drummer. And at this point, I'm like, kill the drummer. I can care less. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, what I can remember is I just remember him being out there for like, it felt like eternity, but it was like 10, 15 minutes. And then somebody was able, we were able to call the cops and he he rolled out, he peeled out. So at my, so everything kind of settles down. My cell phone goes off and I I answer Uh the phone and my mom, no, I answer it. My mom calls me and goes, whatever you do, do not answer the door. And I go, too late. Wait, too so late. This guy had called the number on the silent trailer and had called home to my mom and said, I'm going to, he goes, oh, I'm going to fucking kill everybody in the band, including your son. Yeah. Oh, shit. So my mom was able yeah. to talk some sense into this guy. And, and so that's why, and then so when I was talking to my mom, my mom said, no, I convinced him that you had, you got three, the other, you and the other two had nothing to do with it. <laughs> And he, he swore to me he's not going to kill you or the rest of the band, but he's going to kill the drummer. And uh, that was probably the, the, one of the craziest uh, moments of being on the room. Yeah, that's um, yeah, nothing like getting yeah, uh, pretty scary. Um, 
that, that, that'll liven you up yeah. a little bit. And actually, I think it was, uh, yeah, so that was a really long ride when the drummer did come back. It was a long like we gotta yeah, go. we got to go, and then I don't. I think there was dead silence for probably a sixteen-hour trip, and uh, but I was really close with the drummer, um, and the steel player, like the three of us. That was the core of the band at that time, and we would cycle through bass players and guitar players, and they were both, you know, great players and dedicated to their instrument. And I was really lucky to have them at that time, and. You know, they were willing to go out on the road and, and and be part of this. And I shouldn't have said before, you know, it should have just been me because I was the guy doing all the work. That's not what I meant. I just meant I was handling the financial end and having to deal with the business and plus the all that stuff. But without, you know, I've been in bands without, if you want to play on stage with a band, you know, every, you know, all those spots have to be filled and they're equally as important. Um, but, uh yeah, I don't hold grudges at all. Um, you know, I did find out the steel player passed away. Somebody wrote me on MySpace when it first came out, and that was pretty upsetting. And then, um, you know, but, uh, you know, if I ran into the drummer today, I would probably give him a hug, buy him a beer, and shoot the shit. But, uh, you know, like I said, I don't hold grudges. And, and it couldn't have been easy for them dealing with me at 18. You know, and it just as it was hard for me to deal with them. Uh, so, you know, but you're in bars and there's alcohol and, it, and there's women and the temptation. It comes with the territory. Thankfully, nobody got hurt in that situation. And uh, it makes for a great story today. But, I, yeah, I don't, I don't hold on to grudges. I learned how to forgive. And that was probably the greatest thing that I've ever learned how to do. And... Uh, and that's not easy. But, um, yeah, I was really lucky to have those two guys, for sure. Definitely. And, uh, you know, um, I, hope, I hope the drummer's doing great today, for sure. No. <laughs> I think, and after that point, I could be wrong. I think it was only another eight months and everything. It ended, and it ended back at, in North Dakota at the same place. Uh, <laughs> no I shit. ripped and I ripped out my side. And got and, and, and tore a hernia. And Ouch. I'm not talking about a little one. I'm talking like right down into, you know, so it looks like you have three nuts. Oh, it's, it was, and I oh, had to, shit, I had to sting uh, six hours that day oh, and then drive oh, all the way. The, the drive back to Canada was the hardest because we were 20 something hours away, right? Um, yeah, so, sure. but you had to get paid, right? You had to get paid. Um, right. so yeah, that, that, that was like a typical thing. Uh, I had, I had people, I had police knock on my door at, uh, five o'clock in the afternoon asking me if I, I had robbed the safe from the bar, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, not uh, today, but we thought it was a guitar player that we had hired <laughs> because this guy had drank his whole paycheck within three days. So oh, I yeah. left him at the yeah. bus stop with like a dollar. I like I had zero talk, dude. I had I had to get thick skin really quick. I yeah, left him at the bus that. stop with a dollar while he was screaming at me. Uh, uh, <laughs> one one funny story was I think it was the first show. My parents <laughs> dropped me off um, like fifteen hours away, and uh, I wasn't my band. I was going in to fill in for this guitar job, but it was really my first gig away from being right. from home and, 
anyway, it was uh, it was walking to this hotel room or this room that I was in, and I was staying with this guy that was like six foot five, and it was just like I was train. He was right. a train wreck, and uh, he, he was smoking hot knives when my parents walked in. <laughs> and uh, so I hear the shower running, and I'm like, "There's not somebody in there." He's like, "Oh no, go in there and do your business." So I'm in there, and I'm, I'm gotta take a leak, and I open up the shower. And he's got all like probably like seven pots and pans that are dirty. And and he's got the bathtub, like the plug in the tub, and he's got the shower on, and he's got dish soap in the tub, and that's how he washes He's washing the dishes. I was just like, I don't know if I can handle this, right? This is crazy. We played this one show up in Albuquerque. Just cleaning up oh, the sloppy yeah. jaws. Played this one show in Albuquerque, and uh, it was really a great club, great bar owner. But we're staying in this hotel room. It was like a Motel 6 or something. And uh, sketchy part of right. Albuquerque. And I didn't feel good there all week. You know, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you stay somewhere and you, you kind of just have anxiety or something. Yeah, just kind of off, yeah. off And yeah. I didn't feel good all week. And I, I can't make this up, man. Like probably two weeks later, we we left that place. We're in a different, different town, different place. And uh, we're watching one of them crime shows. And... They're talking about a murder and a rape that had happened at that exact hotel room in that exact fucking room. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Oh, like, so this story that when all this occurred, maybe had been a year prior to when we were there. Oh but it was like this it negative was, energy. It was the same, the same room number and everything. And that's the room that no wonder they put the band in there. Like, you know. Yeah, they're like, put them in exactly. the death room. Just stuff like that. Like you look, oh, put them man, in you look back on it and you go, oh, my gosh, man, what's going on? But, yeah, so I grew up with uh, – I grew up in honky-tonks and I grew up with strippers. And uh, Yeah, that's not <laughs> – sounds about right. Uh, I've, had my, I've had somebody slam a microphone, explains the chip in my front tooth. I'm surprised I didn't knock all my teeth out of my, my mouth. Yeah. Uh, we played a lot of Hell's Angels. Uh, Hell's Angels. Uh, oh, it gets a little well, rowdy. No, gets they, a little rowdy. nobody got rowdy except uh, just complete drunk morons because you don't get rowdy in those places. Right. <laughs> you know, you, right. you tend to have a, a different level when you see those people. You know, it's a little scary. Yeah. Like, right. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I knew yeah. some bikers. And, you know, the bikers were always cool with us, man. I mean, that's the thing. And usually they had a right. stake in some yeah. of these clubs. So if stuff got rowdy, they'd have your back in a heartbeat. Like, so. I always felt more safe right. playing in those places, honestly. Um, yeah. But that's just some of the road stories that I had. And it's like this went over three, four years. Yeah, it was just, it wasn't fun really. But but I paid my dues and that's what I wanted to learn. So when I, when right. I first got to Nashville, right. dude, it was easy. It, like I talked to people that right. were like seasoned vets and would tell them some of this <laughs> and they'd be like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You went through all this in like this amount of time, and I was just like, "Yeah, man." <laughs> so nothing in Nashville really phased me at all. Like it was a party; right. it was easy. Right. Uh, yeah, they're all like, "Yeah." Hey, so I'm up? really. <laughs> I like yeah, that song. Exactly. Wrote. So very grateful to go through all that, but I look back and go, "I, I just can't believe that I, I was able to make it through that, that time." It was, uh, and you know, yeah. I mean. I, then you gotta then you gotta really protect yourself as a songwriter when you get into Nashville, you know, because there's somebody out there like, oh, oh yeah, that's a I good mean, song. people are, 
no, 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 no. You, know, you wouldn't believe how many people, probably like four or five people tried to have me, threatened to have me deported when I first got to town. Um, yeah, in the circle that I was running with. And they yeah. would, uh, and you know, because they weren't really talented and they were threatened. I was going to. Right. Yeah, I'm sure of it. All of a sudden, yeah. here's, here's the new but not, not like I was super talented, but I, I had tried. And I had just. Right. Right, yeah. but you'd have been on the road already, and yeah, you already kind of did your thing. So you kind of know what it meant to get up in front of a an audience exactly. in a fucking rowdy yeah. bar, and yeah, exactly, and just show. get it done, right, and know it. Um, so yeah, I'm totally right. grateful to go yeah. through all that. And, and so, so if if you went like you know Chad and the oh, it was it Chad and the, uh, the road Chad dogs and um, the road dogs, how did you end up being Chad once you got to Nashville? Yeah, that's how yeah. I met. Okay, so. And then there's a lot of people wondering this. <laughs> um, so I think it's time that I, I, I tell it to here. Um, yeah. Story. So uh, I was born in a town uh, in northern Canada called, in the Northwest Territories, called Hay River. And as the story goes, I was pretty much the only white baby born on that day. And uh, the rest of the babies were native babies. And, uh, so politically yeah, exactly. corrected you that day. So they, uh, <laughs> my name was supposed to be Chad, and uh, but they put it, they put an E on the right. end of my name. So on my birth certificate <laughs> and and on all my identification, it's Chad. Right? Right. So Chad. but I went through probably twenty three years of my life as Chad. Right? Um, I never, I never, I would never probably, I would never put that. Uh, punishment on myself growing up in a tiny little town to go through that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but yeah, so when I, when I started working with EMI and, uh, um, there was a couple chads, I believe on the label at that time. And I was, I was already kind of going as Chad because right. me and my mom would always joke growing up, like, well, if you ever do music, then like, what would you call yourself? Cause you have the E under your name. You, you, you don't have to use Chad. You can have a stage name. And so we would joke about it and like, who would have thought it would have came, came out right. that way. But, um, so we would joke like Jade and stuff like that. And, uh, so I came into fruition nice. when, um, when I signed with EMI and I, I walked in one day and, uh, Ben Vaughn, um, the main A&R guy at the time that had a hand in signing me, um, and God bless him for that. Uh, he uh, he basically on the spot said, uh, "What's it going to be? You got to make up your mind right now." And I think when I was like, well, "Let's go with Chad," he's like, "Perfect, let's do it." So from that moment, it was that that yeah. was it. But people, pro yeah, it's pretty unique. I ne I've never I I can't think of any yeah. Chad I, I, I don't know anybody out there. And uh, <laughs> some people call me Chatty, and but my my but my real friends, man, they call me Big Z or Bigs, you know. You know, so, you know, and people get hung up on the name and I get it. And I don't expect my old friends growing up to call me that. I don't, I don't right. care. Like, it's like, but I've been actually called right. Shade longer yeah. now than I've been called uh, Chad. So, like, it's really foreign when I hear Chad. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, I'm like, huh? Talking to me? <laughs> yeah, but, oh, you're know, talking to me. Hey. Cousins and family, yeah, and they'll right. still call me and stuff. And that's, you know, yeah. I'm asking. Like, and some people got really, you know, like, what? Right. Really? But, the bottom line is if I had a, you know, a 10 number ones, nobody, nobody here would have a problem calling me that, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Biggs. yeah exactly. So, you know, it is, it's just one of the things that I don't think people really understand that not a lot of people use their real names in, 
Exactly. Of course not. Why would you? This is the it's actual spelling of my name. It's on my license, my birth certificate. So, you know, kind of kind of look at it as maybe it was the way it was meant to be, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Support. So that's, that's the story like there. That. And yeah, so when people, I introduce myself, I, I definitely go by Jade in these days today. And uh, uh, yeah, and that's just the way it is. It's better. No, like I didn't. I never felt like a cat. I always felt like a black sheep. <laughs> I'm just like, well, this is kind of weird. And we had, like I said, there were so many chads on that label. And uh, I just kind of wanted to be a little. Yeah, well, I mean, just like yeah, just yeah. Chad's much better. Chad's like a douchebag, but <laughs> the trainer of valleys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, right? yeah. I don't think that's really me. Yeah. All right. So that that that's for everybody that's wondering why the E is on the end of the name, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully that uh, clears it up. With something in my life goes dead wrong, and I mean to do that. Hey everyone, this is Chris from Here It Is Podcast. Um, just wanted to let everybody know that I got my PayPal account set up on the uh, on the Facebook page site for Here It Is Podcast Nashville. If you're interested in donating a couple bucks to me and Jason so we can continue to improve this podcast and uh, move forward with it, check it out. If you're interested and donate what you like. Merry Christmas. <laughs>